it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Welcome to another edition of the Prospects Baseball Show. My name is Dean Millard. Jordan Blundell, the head coach and assistant GM of the Edmonton Prospects, is with me as well. This is a special edition of the Prospects Baseball Show. Usually we publish on Monday, but you guys were a little bit busy yesterday with your afternoon game. Thanks very much for joining me. How are you? Yeah, Dean, I'm good, man. Uh, we had a 7-7. Seven and seven. We just wrapped that up yesterday, so today's an off day. We're going to get some uh, some treatment on the guys at the, at the yard here today and, and probably get uh, a little bit of work for some guys. Uh, the, it, baseball's a weird sport that way. I mean, there's some guys that, that haven't played uh, as much, and there's some pitchers that we want to try and keep on a, a set plan, and so they'll get some work in today, but for some of the guys that have played quite a bit, it's a, it's a recoup day. We're going to speak with uh, one of your pitchers, uh, Hunter Boyd, in a, a little bit. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, really interesting uh, story about uh, growing up. And uh, I know that you're going to uh, shed some news on uh, Hunter Boyd yeah. a little bit later. But uh, let's start things off by going around the horn. Hey, bada, 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 so bada. Got him looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. So when we look at your team as of late, uh, last week we had talked about where you know things weren't going well. Is fatigue setting in? You guys had a monster run because of that uh, one delayed game and you played so many in a row and then you went on a big long road trip. Uh, I think it's three and seven in the last ten. That's a lot of baseball. Do you think fatigue has set in? Yeah, I think probably. I don't think it's something that uh, the guys would admit to, um, and I, and I don't think it's you know a, a huge effect to their performance. But whenever you play that many games, that is the reality of it. And and you know what, our opponents uh, most likely have had the same type of of journey. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, it's not uh, it's not part of the equation. But for sure, you're tired after you've played that much baseball. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to take advantage of the next two days. I think it's good for the guys to to not need to be on a routine, and they can just kind of be. And then we'll and then we jump on a you know a bus for nine hours to get to Weyburn. So you know, I'd rather us be at home uh, for for that fatigue type idea as a coach and, and somebody that's constantly thinking about what can we do for our players, what's best, what's the what kind of rest do they need, how how do we get them to to their peak ability and. You know, obviously getting on the bus for nine hours and playing a game is probably not what you would choose, uh, but... But at I mean, least you have the two days off before you sure, do that. Yeah, exactly. But having said that, uh, these guys have done that before. This isn't their first time getting on a bus and having to come off a bus and play play a good team. They've done this their whole lives. Uh, they've done this all the way. That That's college baseball to a T. Um, so... Uh, just more of the same for these guys, and, and just uh, you need to find a way to to be prepared, and that's part of what this league is. Do you know? Is this is like a, it's a a, tr- a test run, a trial of what pro ball is. It really is because th- this uh, schedule that they're playing is not the same schedule they're playing in college. I, I listen. I'm 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 basing it on my experience covering college hockey, where you play on the weekends. 
Is that, uh, you know, are you playing a lot of Wednesday night, Thursday night, Tuesday night games in college? I would think not because of school. Yeah, you know, it, uh, like like U of A's weekends, right? And that's, yeah, Friday, that's Saturday. Yeah. About. But and, I'm t- even talking about NCAA hockey. Yeah. It's all Friday, yeah. Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. Very rarely, unless there's like the Beanpot tournament or something like that. They're, they're, those are special occasions. You're not playing regular weekday games in college. No, and, and even with college hockey, there's you may not play every weekend. So you know, you've got that extra little time. Um, it depends where your program's at in the U.S. So the like the more southern programs, you know, they'll start in late January, early February, and they'll kind of play like a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Oh, okay. and it'll be similar. You know, nothing will be one hundred percent all the way through that schedule. And then where I played, you're not playing baseball in January, uh, so we'd go down south in March. Um, we would inevitably be backed up once we got home in April. Okay, you know, your Thursday games bang because of weather. And then you end up playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so this isn't completely new. Uh, it's it, it, it's different when it's every day at 7 o'clock um, and then the day off and then another six days in a row. So you don't really have a break. Um, where in college you, you'll have a couple of days and then play a doubleheader and then you'll you, you'll have three or four days so uh, this really is a pro pro style schedule that's the that's the point of our league and um, you know the 705 starts and and you try and find a routine uh, so yeah it's been a bit of a grind it's been fun going to the yard with these guys and, and watching them you know come together as, as young men and and learn learn about each other off the field and um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we've been on a little bit of a skid here. Um, tough to take. We're all competitive. We, we obviously want better for ourselves and then we're just going to continue to try and push through that. As a coach, do you take any consolation in the fact that you've been close in mm-hmm. some of these games or does that <laughs> almost make it, uh, harder? Um, like I wonder sometimes I'll, I'll just use this analogy every year that team has been disappointing me. But they're always in the playoffs, and I'm, I'm pointing at the Dodger jersey, right? Yeah. Sometimes I wish I wouldn't have to go through the heartbreak of them losing all the time. Is it almost tougher as a coach when you look at it and say, well, we lost by a run, that, that almost pisses me off more? Or does it say, hey, we're competitive? What's the approach that you take? Uh, yeah, good question, Dino. You know, like in, in, in real life, yeah, well, I'd rather lose by one run than get blown out every game. You know, no doubt about that. Uh We've, this is a common thing we've talked about, you know, is, is we, we have given ourselves chances to mm-hmm. win, you know, all, every game except for probably two or three, maybe three I, I can think of off the top of my head. I think we have 13 losses. Three of them, you know, we really, we really didn't put ourselves in a great position. The rest of the losses, you know, there's four or five, one runs. There's like a six, three loss that I guarantee we had 10 guys left on base because that's our theme is we we like to leave guys hanging out on the duck pond. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, we'd obviously prefer to be able to get that big hit and, and uh, you know, just, just being a normal human and, and, yeah, I care about the guys. I, I, I appreciate their ability to celebrate together. Like that's that's fun for me to watch them you'll have that success and that joy and it and it is joyful it's tough to win this is this is a league that's tough to win in um so when you're able to do that uh you want to enjoy it. you want to you know allow those emotions to come out and share them with your teammates in a clubhouse and and that that helps bring you closer now not 
you can still learn when you lose. And, and we've had some lessons to be learned for sure. You know, for, frankly, like the games that we've lost, um, it's come down to execution. Um, I know we have talented players. It's, it's been fun to watch some of our guys do what they do. You know, and then you end up on a 13-12. You know, you're, you lose that one. You, you end up losing 3-2. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just you, I just want better for the guys uh, selfishly. And, you know, sometimes I get wrapped up in the results uh, at the end of it, probably selfishly um, because I'm a competitive guy. And, and um, I do want to win too. Um, you know, like uh, I like winning. I like that feeling. And, and you know, I've always tried to figure out, you know, like, why, why do I love winning as a coach? I know why I loved it as a player because you, you beat the other team. That's, that, that's the whole point of the game. You know, as a coach, I'm not, it's not about me. So, and I've got this competitive spirit in me. And, you know, I, I, I thought about this a lot over the last year, just thinking, you know, like, what does a win mean for me as a, as a, a baseball person, a, a human, a coach, you know, and it, and it's it, it's everything that comes into that win. There's so many things throughout a game that are important that you don't know yet if they're going to be important. The first pitch might decide the end of the game, and the 240th pitch throwing on the whole day might decide the end of the game. And as a coach, I love that uncertainty, and I love the, the decision-making that goes along with managing a game. And and I know for a fact that I, I absolutely love to see my team shake each other's hands after a win on the field. So you go to uh, Weyburn for three, Thursday through Saturday, and then you come back for Canada Day, and then after that is another big event. It's the All-Star Game. So you guys have a couple of, uh, not only you're trying to uh, win ball games, but uh, uh, attract fans. And uh, I know that Canada Day is always uh, a big one because it's Canada Day, so and it's special. fireworks, and hopefully the weather is great. And then the All-Star Game. And, of course, uh, you can get all this information at uh, prospectsbaseballclub.ca. You can get your tickets for that. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at prospectspod, at Jordan Glendale 4 at Duck Millard, at EDM Prospects. Uh, check out our uh, Prospects Baseball Show Facebook page. And if you want to get in touch with us for contest, it's prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. We'll give you some more information about that. But, um, you know... For somebody who's never been there on Canada Day, uh, describe what it's like at the ballpark. It's special, you know. Uh, like I've I've been in lots of different environments, you know, through my my sporting career in different sports. And Canada Day baseball in Edmonton is is is, is unique. It's special. It's a one of a kind event. You know, I mean, there's tons of stuff going on in Canada Day all through the country. The fact that that we have that many Edmontonians in one place. Um, cheering on their team, you know, not everybody's a diehard fan. We we know that, um, but it's our opportunity as an organization to maybe create another fan or or have somebody really fall in love with what we do on the field and our guys and our product. Um, so what's a great opportunity for us to showcase our organization, the sport of baseball, what that means to the city, which is a great baseball city. On top of that, you got Canada Day, which is. You know, big day for us as Canadians. And then on top of that, you've got a, a City of Edmonton fireworks show that we've got the best seat in the house for. And you put all that together, and it, it's uh, something that uh, every year the guys that we have come up here that have never done this before, um, they will never forget it. It's one of those moments in life. Um, and, and I don't want to discount how cool that is. You know, like it's, it, it, it's the best of what Edmonton is all about. And it's at Remax Field. Well, you, listen, 
we know from watching on TV what July 4th means to Americans. It's a terrific celebration. And now they're going to see some of your American players, the other side, that, hey, our neighbors to the north can party pretty hard on their day as well <laughs> and have a lot of fun. So I think that's a really exciting day. Uh, and and almost a, a week later, you have the All-Star Game. Matt wow. Stairs, who we Stairsy. spoke to. Matt, if listen, if you're just joining us on the Prospects Baseball Show, do yourself a favor. Go back <laughs> and listen to last week's episode with Matt Stairs. Because he was brilliant. The stories that he had, like his approach to hitting was... You know, not one that I've heard before, but it's it's great. But anyway, he's going to be in town for that. Maybe, as he hinted at the end of the interview, he might take part in the home run contest. Yeah. That would be pretty cool to have the all-time leader in pinch hit home runs in Major League Baseball history taking part Wouldn't in the home cool run derby. Wouldn't it be cool if he just, if, he, if everybody's acting like he's not, and then he just Shows comes up, up like yeah. fourth hitter as a pinch hitter in the yeah. home run derby? That would be cool. So, the All-Star game, as a an AGM and a coach... Uh, how do you look at it differently? Well, the first thing that pops into my mind is is uh, Lou Brown from the movie Major League. That <laughs> we, we've got two or three potential all-stars on this team. Um, Good thing you didn't go with, I got a guy about some yeah, white walls on the other <laughs> line. I got to go, right? Yeah. Man, I love that movie. Awesome. Um, yeah, you know, we'll have a couple guys, uh, you know, obviously represent us in that game and, and very well deserving. Uh, there'll, be, there'll, there'll be some tough decisions. You know, part of the all-star game is... You know, try and get all the best players there, and then you know, obviously that's the point. Um, but but you can't have uh, one catcher. You know, you have to be there. There's a little bit of you know baseball savvy that comes into this. So you know, you might need a third catcher, and that might cost an outfielder, or another infielder, an mm-hmm. opportunity, and and that's just the way it is. Sometimes it, you, you're never going to be 100 percent right with this stuff. And you know, we're excited as an organization, obviously with Matty Stairs coming in and. Uh, what he means to the game uh, in Canada, and, and for us to be able to introduce him to the way we do things here. He was a trapper back in the day, but you know he gets reintroduced to the way baseball's the lay of the land here in Edmonton, which is going to be great. And, you know he'll be able to tell people that he comes across. Hopefully, we we show him a great time. Um, the fact that we're able to showcase our league in Edmonton, uh, which you know from the AGM side of things, I'll put a different hat on now is important for our league you know we're we're one of the we're the we're a major center i don't want to discount uh, some of the great things going on everywhere else but you know edmonton's the biggest market um you know we've got a, a historic ballpark in in a super cool spot in canada in edmonton's river valley so there's a lot of things that are important to the wcbl that that happen in edmonton um we're excited to partner with the league to hopefully create more buzz um, throughout Western Canada about what this really is. Um, you know, Dino, you, you know, I mean, you've seen uh, our guest later on, Hunter. You've seen him go to work on the mound. That's worth the price of admission, and that's worth it in, in Weyburn as much as it is Okotoks, Edmonton, and Fort Mac. You know, if he's on the mound and you're a, 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 you, know, you have a 12-year-old son or daughter uh, who loves the game, or an eight-year-old, or or sixteen-year-old that's really thinking about college baseball? Um, you just got a lesson if you watch Hunter go to work. All right, you mentioned historic ballpark. Let's go to a history class now. This day in baseball, nineteen oh three, and hey, w- maybe this is something Hunter Boyd will do someday, but uh, I doubt it. But uh, this is Wiley Platt. <laughs> he lost both ends of a doubleheader for the Cardinals. one nothing and 5-3. Three. 
He was 28 year old. He was a southpaw. He went the distance in both games. <laughs> Can you imagine? Was, like this, this is 1932? 1903. 1903. Yeah. One guy went both the distance in two games of a what doubleheader. A dog. What a dog! Hey, uh, Wiley, I know you just pitched nine innings. Do you got like maybe nine more in you? In the arm Loosen it up, please. Get a little uh, Tiger bomb on. Yeah. There. 31 years later, 1934, Lou Gehrig triples in the seventh inning to complete the first of his two career cycles. Uh, the other one came in 1937. Uh, obviously, Lou Gehrig, uh, Lou Gehrig uh, very famous for uh, a number of different things, not just baseball. Andres Galarraga, 1995. Big Sorry, cat. it's not an Expo one, but I love the he's big the big cat. cat. Uh, fourth player in big league history that hit a home run in three straight innings. Ooh. Uh, he was with the Rockies and helped them beat the Padres at Jack Murphy, 11-3. to three. We heard that before, Dino, with our guest Shea Hillenbrand. That's right, yeah, yeah. We, consecutive we, innings. We did talk about that. We're the pressure to uh, to try and yeah. do it again. Hey, I just want to remind you, you can set a big league record <laughs> yeah. if you hit one here. 1998, you know where I'm going with this one. Sammy Sosa breaks the major league record for home runs in a single month. 19. So it's June 25th. He already had 19 home runs in the month. It was a seventh inning solo shot off Brian Moeller uh, in the uh, Cubs 6-4 loss to Detroit. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah, back to back to back 60 plus home run seasons. 1999, Jose Jimenez entered a game with a 6 plus ERA, faced only 28 batters, and no hits the Diamondbacks. That's, that's oh, oh yeah, the guy on the other uh, on the mound the other time when Jimenez wasn't there was Randy Johnson. <laughs> so so he, he no hit with Randy Johnson, and he came in. So that tells you that special things can happen at any time. This guy was you know not cruising at all. No, and then he uh, you know faced his twenty eight batters, and then two thousand and ten, one hundred and forty nine pitches for Edwin Jackson to no hit the Rays at Tropicana Field. That's pretty tidy work, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, that's such a tough decision for a manager. You, 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 you get you get faced with like the hundred to hundred and fifteen range, and he's throwing a no hitter, and it's a shuttle, and it's a complete game. And you know, you, you, if you ask the pitcher, he said, "No, you're leaving me in this game." And and do you take someone out? And you're like, I hate that decision. That's the toughest one. Jose Jimenez, by the way, became the first rookie to throw a no-hitter since 73 when he did it. So it's interesting. He did it against Randy Johnson, and then Edwin Jackson uh, became just the second since Randy Johnson in that franchise to mm. throw a no-hitter. So Randy Johnson, the big unit, ties in. Is, you know, we talked about scary guys on the mound, Nolan Ryan, but you know, Randy Johnson, that would be I, – I, I would not – I, wouldn't I don't think I'd want to face no, him. No, it's a – you know, I've, I've always, I always wanted to grow up to be a major league baseball player, and if I had to face Randy Johnson all the time, I don't know if I'd want to. <laughs> you know, it's six foot ten coming at you. It's sixty feet six inches from the plate, but by the time he releases the ball, it's fifty two feet. It's coming ninety eight miles an hour. You're not sure where it's going. He knows that you're you don't know where it's going, so he's got that mental edge on you. And his stuff is so nasty that. I mean, we saw it in the All-Star game with Larry Walker and then John Kruk. You know, they wanted no part of that. Ah, memories. Tell us your best baseball story, and you could be watching a prospects game from a suite and taking batting practice before the game.
So my baseball memory today is the first Major League Baseball game series uh, I went to, and it was at the Metrodome oh, in sweet. Minnesota, which was not a sweet place. Uh, the only thing cool about the Metrodome is when you left, because they had the turnstile and it was all, you know, the suction, like you're, you're, you had to hold your hat. I thought it was because I was a younger kid, so... But the, the, now that I think of the Metrodome, yeah, that's it was not like the garbage bags out in the uh, the outfield, and um, I just thought it was kind. Of, now that I think of it, it was just a kind of a dump. Uh, I really did not enjoy. It. Now the ballpark they have now, oh. it's wonderful. Oh my goodness! And listen, baseball is meant to be played outdoors. You should not have a permanent domed stadium for baseball. You should either outdoors or retractable roof. That's just the way, you know, like a retractable roof so you can play in Toronto in early April. And but then a, a retractable roof so that when it's 29 degrees, let's play outside. So I didn't like the Metrodome, but it was cool. I went down on a 3-4 day trip with my dad and my brother on a bus from Brandon. Um Sweet. we watched the Blue Jays. I was uh I think I was either just about uh, I was legal in Canada, I think, but not obviously in the United States. So like I was always trying to sneak beers and that's, that's mostly what I remember is being at the ball game, trying to buy beer, not being of age and getting somebody else to buy the beer <laughs> so I could have the, the twins beer cups or whatever. Yeah, just Canadian. Yeah, right? I, was just a, I was just a Canadian kid, but, uh, but I loved the, um, the atmosphere, like not, not the, the dome. It was, I, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of it, but just everybody around you, the chatter, like I'd been to baseball games at uh, the local team that would play in the the senior league, and this is okay. But the the chatter, the buzz of major, and you know, we went down to the where they were doing batting practice early and trying, you know, get autographs and things. And I was just like, oh man, this is the coolest uh, thing. It's so much different than hockey, and that's all I had ever experienced was going to yeah. jet games, right? Where it's fast pace, fast pace. You know, baseball. There's a lot of time to enjoy stuff, and I was just blown away and then instantly hooked. Um, for, you know, for, for the game of baseball. So my, my first uh, memory or my baseball memory is uh, going uh, to the Metrodome and we want to get your baseball memories, uh, send your favorite baseball memory, whether it's playing, watching, coaching, anything, and, uh, send us to us at, at, uh, prospects, baseball show at gmail.com. And this is why you want to do this. We're going to pick six winners and you and a friend are going to come watch a game in a suite hosted by me on fan appreciation night or day, August 3rd. And one of you is going to get to take batting practice before the game at Remax field. So that's pretty cool. A chance to take uh, batting practice on what is a professional baseball stadium for sure. So send us your baseball memory prospects, baseball show at gmail.com. And uh, we'll add you to the list and uh, pick some winners. So mine was about the Metrodome watching a game. Yours is a little bit more cooler. Yeah, you know, I'll, uh, I'm gonna... And do you think the Metrodome was a dump? I love the Metrodome, Dino. Okay. You know, well, it's funny back disagree. in Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball back in the mid-90s. <laughs> I always took the, the Twins because I wanted to play in the Metrodome. Uh, so the, that's my first experience with uh, with the Metrodome. Uh, I played baseball in, in North Dakota. And so early in the season, we would play games in the Metrodome. So I got the opportunity to play in the Metrodome. Uh, I remember vividly and specifically... My first at bat of my junior year, um, I came home after my sophomore year and and was challenged by my head coach to, you know, essentially be better. Um, you know, we see your your talent and your ability; it's not consistent. And basically, you know, we're we're gonna go and try and bring someone in to take it from you 
it's yours to lose. Do what you want with it, was kind of paraphrasing that message. And I said, I got you. 10-4. I went home that summer. I worked my butt off. I went back my junior year, had a great fall, continued to lift, and was really focused, finally growing up, you know, to, to do this the right way in college baseball. First game of the year, I'm in the Metrodome. I'm a left-handed hitter. Uh, I've got a, I've got a game plan. Um, and typically, Dino, in the back of my mind, I've always felt like I never really got off to a hot start in, in anything. You know, it's always kind of like tiptoe around and then find a groove. Uh, but I feel like my junior year, things were different. So my first at-bat, uh, guy throws me a fastball up and away, and I and I short hop the left center left center wall mm-hmm. uh, for a triple. I'm not. A, I was never a big triples guy, um, but uh, this happened in the Metrodome, so um, I, I was hitting in the two hole. So the the second hitter of our year, we're playing our first game. It's in the Metrodome, and and I go up, almost take the ball of the yard. Um, and man, that, what a great feeling that was! And then my next at bat, I get drilled. So that's perfect. I've been on base twice. I'm a guy that loves to get on base. So uh, that's one of my Metrodome stories. I got to tell you this one too, Dino. So in 2005, I was a coach. I was down in Jamestown, uh, University of Jamestown with uh, Coach Tom Hager. And uh, my, my roommate in college was the pitching coach, uh, T- Tim Nelson. And uh, uh, Tim Tim did a lot for me as a roommate and, and, a, and a best friend. And, and I appreciate you know, everything that uh, Tim means to me. And I know Tim listens to the show. That's not why I'm pumping it. I, I definitely wanted people to know about you, Timmy. Um, so Tim and I are coaching with Coach Hager, and we're in the Metrodome. And uh, Tim will remember this story. And there's a situation that develops between our head coach, who's, we're on the first base side, he's coaching third, and, and their head coach. They kind of get into it a little bit verbally uh, over by their bench in the Metrodome. And, uh, we're watching this and, and Tim and I decide we better, we better go over there and just kind of, you know, be peacekeepers. And, and so we get over there and, and we're trying to, you know, just everybody relax. Let's just go back to playing the game. And, uh, one thing led to another and, and literally Dino, there was 35 of their guys and myself, uh, coach Nelson and coach Hager. So we were, we're this is a brawl. We were getting jumped. Something happened. They didn't like it. Their bench cleared, and we're, you know, 15 feet away. The rest of our team's out playing defense because it was a change of the inning. We got guys down in the bullpen 200 feet away. You know, the bench is pretty much empty, and the, all of their whole team is right there. So, boom, it's happening, and and it's not it's not nice. It's real. And uh, my roommate was uh, uh, unfortunately targeted by some of their guys, and. and uh, being the good Canadian lad that uh, that I am, I got in there to, to help him out, and and then by that point, you know, obviously all our guys are are over there, and this is in the Metrodome. This is crazy, and uh, so you know, long story short, we won't get into the the nitty gritty of what happened. It was a good old uh, good old fashioned baseball brawl. Um, by the end of it, uh, I had gone back to our dugout after everything had died down, and and uh, I had a dislocated left shoulder from this. Um, I had some shoulder issues, so it wasn't necessarily just what was going on. I, I had a weak, weak shoulder, so it was kind of something that would pop in and out, and it, and it did. So I ended up spending the night in the hospital there, and uh, it took, do you know, man, it must have taken four hours for them to reset my shoulder, and it took the the amount of time to set my shoulder when they finally did it was the amount of it you snapping your fingers like that to pop it back in. But it took them four hours to, like, attend to me. 
And the whole time they're like, Hey, how you feeling? I'm like, I don't feel great. You know, it feels like my arm's not a part of my body mm-hmm. for four hours, you know, checking every 20 minutes. And finally, you know, they, they reset it. And I was like, Hey, thank you. That's great. So those are my two metronome stories. All right. Send us your baseball memories to prospects baseball show at gmail.com. And you could be watching a prospects game from a suite and somebody taking batting practice before the game. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. Taking a closer look at the Edmonton Prospects roster now, Jordan and I joined by right-handed pitcher Hunter Boyd of the Edmonton Prospects. Hunter, thanks very much for coming out to St. Albert with Jordan today. Thanks for having me. Well, Jordan, let's talk, uh, maybe give me uh, your overview of uh, um, what made you excited about Hunter and, and joining the prospects. Uh, I know in particular he's uh, in his uh, pre-prospect career has had some pretty high strikeout games, so I think it's safe to say we can call him a flamethrower. Uh, what attracted you to bringing him in and what have you seen so far? Yeah, you know, I uh, through the recruiting process, uh, I contacted a lot of coaches that I have a relationship with. Um, I did reach out to their to Hunter's head coach and, and didn't hear back. So, um, searching through online and looking up players and, and their numbers, uh, that's how this started. Uh, I went online and I was looking up some other players and, and came across Hunter. Um, he's got really good numbers in college. So I started doing some background and saw that he had pitched in uh, summer leagues, uh, West Coast League. Um, which which I have experience with. I know what that league's all about, and, and he had good numbers there. Uh, so it became interesting to me, uh, and and Hunter kind of fit the age profile. We we're looking for a little, someone a little bit older, you know, finishing up his college career, uh, that would understand what uh, this schedule would be like. His experience in the West Coast League made that so. Uh, so we felt like that would be a good fit. So I reached out. Um, Kind of funny, I, I sent I sent uh, Hunter a Facebook message and didn't hear back for two, two three weeks. And I'm sitting in my office in St. Albert, uh, and I get a call, and the, the, the caller ID has Moses Lake on it. And, and I'd completely forgotten, you know, that I had reached out. So I said, all right, I better answer this. Hey, hey, Coach Blundell, it's uh, Hunter here. You know, and I like I had messaged him randomly, you know, pretty much a couple of weeks before, and it took me a little while to, okay, all right, yeah, who is this again? Oh, hey, Hunter. Hey, man. Well, hey, thanks for giving me a shout back. So we started talking. Uh, it was a great talk. I really appreciated uh, um, Hunter and his openness about where he was at, and, and he wasn't sure what uh, what his plans were going to be. And, um, you know, we talked again, and at that point I said to him, look, like, you know, you take your time. We'd love to have you. Um, I understand real life's coming for you. Hopefully, hopefully you get to play the game as long as, uh, as long as you can. Uh, but, uh, if not, we're here, we'd love to have you up and uh, I'll leave that decision with you. And, uh, so we get, we got into the spring and, and, uh, you know, kind of late, uh, you know, into April probably. And, and then Hunter, uh, Hunter made the commitment to come up for us. So we were really excited. He was having a, a huge stellar senior season at the time. And, you know, obviously we were excited to get him signed, Dino. You know? So this is interesting because uh, I was doing a little bit of reading on you. Were you looking at like you know being done with baseball and uh, moving on to a career in law enforcement? Was that kind of the plan for you? And then you get this message and you get the itch to play, or how did it uh, come about for you, Hunter? Well, that was the plan. Uh, I had actually told my coach at College Idaho I wasn't going to come back my junior year. I finished my junior year out. 
uh, went or went and played for the Apple Sox in the West Coast League, and uh, I thought that was going to be my last summer. And then Jordan calls me as I'm working, you know, two jobs back home already, trying to get some money made. And uh, Jordan calls me, and then by that time, my coach called me, offered me to come back, and so I went back, and I'm glad I did to uh, play my senior season. So this is interesting. When when you have a player and and he's uh, going looking at the, a career of law enforcement after baseball, the one thing you probably know about that is that his discipline is going to be pretty strong. Yeah, you you, you hope so for the the greater good of uh, civilization, uh, you know, with the good, good people. But you know, do you know I could tell that on the phone call, um, the fact that Hunter was going to you know pursue this type of career is great, but. You really can get to know someone in a short phone call, uh, especially when it's designed to kind of pick each other's brains a little bit. And, and uh, it's a it's a cold call, but it, there, there's a purpose behind it. You're you're not completely strangers because we're in the game of baseball. That's right. You have the same passion for the for the love of the game in common. So it, there's that common ground to build upon. Exactly, and and so from that. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a smooth call, and, and like I said, we we knew where Hunter was at uh, mentality wise. Um, you know, obviously he's a guy that loves loves to pitch, loves to play the game. And, you know, as evidence as a couple of summers in the West Coast League, and uh, I I believe I'd have to double check. He he led their team in innings pitched twice, I think. If not, he was right up there. So workhorse, uh, and then the good numbers. So you know, as a selfish coach, I'm looking at a workhorse, good numbers, leader, older player. Um, all check marks, and then you get on the phone, and all those were check marks uh, as far as our conversation went. So, yeah, we're, we're really we're, we're really happy to have him up here. So Moses Lake, Washington, is uh, where you grew up. It's about uh, two and a half hours south of Seattle. My um, knowledge of uh, the state of Washington comes from the Western Hockey League and the uh, and the and a little bit in Oregon with uh, Portland. So trying to picture uh, your your. Two and a half hours south of Seattle. Uh, what about uh, Kennewick, the, the Tri City Americans, uh, the Everett Silvertips? Are they uh, in the same vicinity of you? Right, uh, Kennewick, uh, the Tri City Americans. There, that's about you know hour, hour, hour and a half south of us, uh, down by the Oregon border there. Um, and then you have the uh, Spokane Chiefs as well. Right, that's right. Uh, yeah. That's about two hours the other way from us. So, were you a Idaho. hockey fan at all? I, I watch a little hockey. I'm not. I couldn't sit here and talk stats with you or anything but i, I enjoy, enjoy watching the game it. yeah that yeah, one well, there's certainly uh, an abundance of uh, hockey in that area and of course baseball so let's talk baseball uh, moses lake washington uh, you know what was your uh, your youth growing up did you immediately get into baseball and was it the only thing you did or what was uh, what was uh, growing up like uh when i first started walking my parents said i could throw a ball and i could hit a golf ball so uh i mean i did i played every sport till about uh you know start a high school there and then you got to kind of choose one with the limited time you have and so I stuck with baseball and I'm glad I did because I've played four years in college and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, that's uh, that's outstanding. Uh, is, the, is that part of Washington, what's the, is it uh, football, baseball, uh, basketball, what's the, the kind of the big sport in that area? Uh, especially in our town it was more, uh, you know, football, uh, smaller town, you know, people behind the Friday Night Lights and, you know, things about or things like that. So we still got fans for baseball games, soccer games, everything. But I think the main thing was pretty much football for, you know, for our high school there. All right. What do you want to chat with them about? 
Yeah, what uh, did you, did you play football at all? I did. I played football through uh, middle school, and then uh, on my arm, you know, I had seven, eight surgeries. I had those in the winter, so um, I was always in a cast during uh, uh, <laughs> during football season. So uh, I, that kind of sucked me to baseball and the spring sport. So seven to eight surgeries. Is this like uh, like you, you have seven or eight Tommy John surgeries? No, no, no not at all. I uh, I wrecked on a dirt bike when I was eight. I shattered my growth plate in my wrist. Wow. Um, and so as I grew taller, uh, my wrist would you know turn sideways each surgery. They had to straighten it out, put a piece of bone, you know, pin it and plate it. So as I grew taller, I had to do that through my whole my youth this is on your wow. right hand on my right arm yes you, is it does this not amaze you that bionic what arm. You, yeah exactly <laughs> we what, knew we knew what, the yeah, whole time <laughs> what you've seen and, and and i talked to him on the field one time he's, he's had some uh, several double digit strikeout games in college and stuff to hear that that he had that surgery and still throws the way he does it's pretty amazing is it not we wanted to put a disclaimer not to recommend this surgery for the <laughs> youth right. uh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. strike guys out. You get this little bit of wrist action going. Yeah, yeah you know what? I didn't even know that. Uh, crazy. So were you concerned uh, at, I don't know if you were thinking about a baseball, but you, you know, a kid has a wrist surgery and, and different surgeries. You're probably thinking, I might not be able to play. Did they ever tell you you're not going to be able to pitch anymore or play sports? Uh, it, my doctor said it'd be very difficult for me to. Uh, like I said, I was eight when it happened. So, uh, you know, the mature, the maturity in me hadn't aroused yet, so it didn't go through my mind that I wouldn't be playing baseball or any other sport. Um, but, uh, you know, I stuck with it. I did this. I asked if I could do the surgeries in the winter so I'd be eligible for the spring to play ball, and he said we could do that. So... Um, no physical therapy or anything, just kind of get back on your own and, um, and, you know, get, or no physical therapy, but just kind of ease back into it with, on your, on your own. So, wow. So what, uh, what have you enjoyed the most about your visit and stay in Canada so far, uh, Hunter? Uh, it's a big city, <laughs> especially coming from a small town. Uh, what's the population of uh, Moses Lake? Uh, it's about 17,000. Oh, okay. So, yep. Yeah. It's really spread out, so it looks a lot smaller. But, um, but no, it's it's a lot different coming from here to there, um, and uh, just meeting the guys on the team. You know, everyone here wants to win. It's fun being a part of a program like that, and uh, just playing for playing for these mini fans is awesome too. I think uh, my experience in uh, watching uh, sports in the United States is they do it really well. I don't think we do it as well here in Canada. I, I like I don't think we tailgate enough here in Canada, which is something uh, that they do. But you mentioned uh, you know the Friday night lights phenomenon for football, but baseball is like that too. Like I think you you know you watch, uh, especially small town. Everybody wants to come out. It's like that uh, on like days to confused where everybody goes to the ball game right on the the Friday night. You might not have a kid playing, but you know somebody, your neighbor or whatever. So you probably have that cool feeling. What do you think of uh, Remax Field and uh, what opening night was like, and what it's going to be like on Canada Day and the All Star Game? What's uh, you know, is there is there are we doing baseball justice here in Edmonton uh, compared to uh, in the heartland of uh, baseball all throughout the United States? Uh, of course, when Jordan sent me the video of Remax Field, I'm like, that's not the field we're playing on, no way. And, and uh, you know, I got here middle of the day when I got here and. Went straight to the field and I went outside. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, I've never played one of the bigger stadiums I've ever played in, um, for sure. Uh, and uh, opening night was was really cool for me because I'd never played in front of that many fans before. Um, even even the second day when I started, I had 
all those fans were, you know, clapping out for strikeouts, and that just fired me up, and it was it was fun to be a part of that. Well, do you want to you want some breaking news, Dino? I love some breaking news. But insert the breaking news uh, highlight uh, sound. Uh, we're gonna give the ball to Hunter for Canada, um, so. That'll be a first for him. You know, hopefully there's about 7,200 people there clapping for him. Hopefully. Well, we know there's going to be fireworks after the game, and hopefully there's some uh, fireworks during the game from uh, the flamethrower. Let's talk about uh, the heat that you bring, or the, the, the strikeouts, I guess, that you accumulate. Like I said, you've had a, a couple of double-digit efforts out there. Um, where does that come from? Is that something that you recognized or somebody recognized earlier in your career? You know, your parents said you could throw a ball, but, uh, you know, what, what is it about um, getting on the mound and getting in that groove? When was it first kind of explained that, listen, you could do some special things on the mound to you? Uh, a lot of, I've, I've gotten a lot of crap from coaches and players uh, since my surgeries. My right arm is two and a half inches shorter than my left arm, so... Oh. They're all they're giving me crap about you know faking with the long left and coming with the short right, calling me <laughs> T Rex or Finding Nemo or anything like that. So okay, um, <laughs> uh, I'm just uh, I'm just I'm glad I still am able to throw as hard as I am even with all of my surgeries and have the opportunity for good decent off speed and and mixing well. So um, and like I said, I can throw I like throwing my pitches uh, any any count any time. Not scared to so that's good. I think that helps me out a lot too. Talk about your pitches. What's in your uh, your repertoire? Uh, four seam, two seam fastball, changeup, uh, curveball, slider, and a knuckleball. Um, use the knuckleball for another pitch if I need it. I haven't thrown it as much. Haven't needed to, but uh, really love the changeup going one way, slider going the other way, and then fastball cutting into. You know what I like is there's a lot of pitches in there, and the one comment he said before is I'm not afraid to throw it on any pitch. Uh, you know, some guys might shy away from throwing a knuckleball on uh, you know a three-one count or something like that. That's that t- tells confidence to me. Is oh, that what sure. you see? For sure. I, I mean, I, I, we're probably not going to see three-one knuckleballs, but, um, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. And, and to to be able to say that uh, with conviction that that you do feel like you can throw any of your pitches anytime is the reason that there's a lot of success when Hunter goes on the mound. Um, it starts with the mentality that you can do it. And obviously the experience over multiple years of being able to perform at that level helps breed that um, confidence. Uh, but to be able to throw a second and a third pitch for a strike when you need it, uh, it, it eliminates the hitter's ability to be aggressive. Uh, now you've got them on their heels. They need to account for different movement, different locations. Um, it, it, it really stymies their ability to eliminate pitches. And really, as a hitter, this is a game of uh, it's like a war of attrition. You know, you're 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 you're, you're trying to run pitch counts up and, and sit on certain pitches and take your information and use it against your opponent. And, and when you really just never give them enough information to get into a pattern then it becomes more difficult. And, you know, Hunter's done a great job of controlling the running game, um, which is a huge asset to have as a pitcher, an underrated asset. There's no stat cast for this, uh, but it changes the game uh, when when you can really command and slow down the other team's offensive uh, base paths. And, uh, you know, the fact that, that he's able to, Hunter's able to replicate his delivery and be consistently at the same timing and the same points of his delivery, 
allows his arm action to fool hitters when he's throwing different pitches because it always looks the same. The release point's in the same spot. The timing it took, which is, you know, 1.0 seconds to start to release, is always at the same. Like a golf swing. Exactly. Like a really well-timed golf yes. swing. And, and that timing is, is what makes him um, so difficult to hit. We're with uh, Hunter Boyd, right-handed pitcher for the Edmonton Prospects. He'll be taking the bump on Canada Day. So you can come out, watch the ball game, see some strikeouts, and see some fireworks afterwards. It, do you feel sometimes, as a pitcher, that baseball is almost like a chess game? Is it, uh, I'm not sure if you play chess or what. I, I played chess a little bit in high school, but uh, I haven't played in a long time. But chess is a very strategic game. You're starting every play with that pitch, you are kind of, you're, you're setting the tone, I guess, trying to get a strike out or a strike. Do you feel it's almost like a, a one-on-one chess match with every batter? Uh, I believe it's a battle with every batter. I don't think it's more one-on-one. I think I see it as nine-on-one because I have, or eight-on-one, actually I have eight guys behind me. Okay. Um, but uh, I do think it is like a chess game too because, you know, he's trying to hit what you're throwing. You're trying to get past, you know, you're trying to make him miss hit the ball. Get, or to get it past him, and uh, um, as soon as the ball leaves your hand, you can tell if they were sitting on that pitch you were throwing, and so uh, uh, that makes it run through your mind, oh, maybe sh- I shouldn't do that again on this How count. can you so tell? Eyes? Body language? Just the body language from the hitter, the swing they put on the ball. Um, if I throw a fastball, oh, oh, count, and he's you know timed it up well, just a foul straight back, he was sitting on that. So, Or same thing with the curveball or slider. You know, you could see them buckle their legs, but then they, you know, swing through the ball. That means they're sitting on it, so it's easy to tell as a pitcher what they were doing as soon as it leaves a hand of you. <laughs> we had, uh, we've had uh, Pierce Blahoviak and Jake Gary both in here talking about, uh, you know, Jake with his home run that he hit and, and Pierce with the uh, the walk-off on uh, opening night. And, and they both talked about it's that... I don't know if it gets is actually in slow motion, but it almost seems like you just see in the ball when they were hitting it. When you're in a, a 10 strikeout game, let's talk about, and is there a groove, a zone that you're in that is that you feel is actually different? Is there a or is there like a physical feeling that you get uh, during those situations? Uh, I, um, Do you even realize it? I I really don't realize it. I know, um, you know, just from being back in the dugout, everyone's saying good job, like. You know, I try not to think about that. I just try to think about the next pitch, next hitter. Um, you know, because if you think about too much of it, then you start getting out of your zone and out of your groove. And uh, but you you can tell definitely when you're having a good game. Um, I necessarily don't like to think about it until after I'm done. Until you know, coach takes a ball from me, and then I can reflect on how I did. Um, but definitely, there is a feeling you get when you're um, when you're rolling through the hitters. Uh, there is a feeling you get. What What's your approach when you see a guy in the zone like that? I don't talk to him. I completely ignore the pitcher. He probably there's probably guys like, well, how come coach? I never talk to the pitchers. Do you know you play goalie? Yeah. This is this is goaltenders for me. I grew up in hockey and as a goalie, um, you don't talk to Patrick Waugh in 1986. You leave him alone. He let him stop pucks. He's not. You can't get you can't get anything by him. Uh, that's how I feel. I like I did pitch and hit. Uh, I've been in the zone before as a youth goaltender where literally you couldn't get a puck by me. I've also been the other way where you, <laughs> you're, you're a funnel. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so I know what that feels like and getting in that zone. I've been there as a hitter a few times. Um, there's something magical 
about the level of intensity and focus that happens to you when you go on the mound in a game. Obviously, with 3,000 people versus two, there's a little difference, but but the, there's still that tunnel vision focus, like as Hunter kind of described, was he's not really thinking about anything. You get so locked in on this outing that you don't know anything else is going on in the world. And as a goalie, I'm sure you probably experienced that when you're not, you can't hear anything. You're just seeing the puck and reacting. Well, that's what this is when, when a guy gets on the mound and, you know, Hunter's obviously got a, a great ability to channel the, those, those energies and emotions for the good. Uh, he doesn't expend energy uh, needless, needlessly. You know, he's focused. He's able to execute pitches. He's able to come back into the dugout, recuperate, and then go back out and, and execute again. And, and that's a mark of a good pitcher, man. It's a, it's a consistency and the ability to continue to repeat mm-hmm. start after start after start. So, yeah, me personally, I, I don't like talking to the, the starting pitcher. I like to, uh, for me, and I would if they want me to, and there, there's nothing against that. I just feel like they're, it's their day. It's their their opportunity to shine. It's their opportunity to help their ball club. They don't need me to be, hey, good job. Like the, when I'm not talking to you, you're doing a good job. And if somebody is going to talk to them, it's probably going to be the pitching coach. Yeah, pitching coach for sure. The catcher, their teammates, yeah, for sure. All that. I just leave. I leave it like that. You're the leader of the ship, really, as a as a starting pitcher. There's a bunch of guys from the Washington area on this team. It's like Washington and Yale is the uh, the big connections. But uh, what's the talk about the relationship between? Uh, a catcher and especially when you did you know Jake uh, much before you came here uh, Jake Gary yeah no I had uh, I had no idea of him um, the new guy we got actually uh, Edgar Harrell I played at Juco with him okay. at Yakima Valley so okay so there's a, at least a relationship right, there right so but building a relationship with a catcher mm-hmm. um, does that take a lot of time I think there's just a uh, normal standard between you know there's already a relationship because I'm throwing the ball as hard as I can to you and you're tr- we're trying to get them out together so I think there's already a relationship established there and then especially uh, once you get going with him you know two three starts in um, like I am with Bo you know, we have this connection. He knows what I want to throw. I know mm-hmm. what he want. He, I know he knows what I want to throw. So there's that relationship there too. All right. So it's just chat about uh, you know who are your who's your uh, you know do you have a, a favorite pitcher now? Did you have one growing up? And is that what inspired you to be a pitcher? Uh, <laughs> James Paxton is probably my favorite pitcher. He was at Seattle. He got moved to the Yankees, but uh, um. Not really inspire me, just kind of the uh, small town kid, you know, growing up playing baseball. It kind of inspired me too. Who do you watch today? Um, I that... watch uh, Marco Gonzalez for the Mariners. He, uh, he played on the Apple Sox, the same team I played for, and uh, he's a good role model of mine too. The way he is off the field, um, uh, he works quick and uh, uses defense for to allow not that many pitches. So that's a WCBL alumni too, Marco. That's right. Gonzalez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I played in the West Coast League and our league. That's awesome. Good drop, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you have anything you want to go with, lastly, and then I'll ask one more. Yeah, what, uh, what what was the Little League program you played in? You know, like that uh, um, back in the day there was the, the Little League run out and out. I think it was in Kennewick, wasn't it, that they went that run in 1980? Or was that more in the Seattle area? And So what was your Little League program, and did you have a shot at the Little League World Series? So ours was uh, just the Cal Ripken, I think, uh, I never really made it 
you know, to the World, or World Series or whatever in the Cal Ripken, but um, we got into uh, Babe Ruth when I was about 15 years old and uh, played for the River Dogs out of Efreda, Washington, and uh, made three World Series appearances uh, with that team. Actually won it uh, in 2015 in Klamath Falls, Oregon, so that was fun to be a part mm -hmm. of. Well, did, and, that, uh, did that take you up to Calgary at any point? Because I know they've got Babe Ruth. Yeah, there. so we played our uh, regional tournament in Calgary. Uh, can't remember the field Optimus name. Optimus Park. Optimus Park. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about that. And uh, but yeah, we so that's the farthest I've been in Canada before this too. So that was fun to be a part of too. Well, and, we, uh, we were talking about that the other day and and trying to figure out where he'd played and and okay, we'll describe the field. Oh, there's there's like a highway right behind right field. I'm like, oh, that's Optimus Park. That's funny. Uh, there's a, still a ball. There's a ball I hit there about 15 years ago <laughs> on the second highway there. That's good. All right, we talked briefly before about you were looking into uh, law enforcement as, uh, you know, after your uh, playing career. And, you know, who knows, maybe you'll uh, keep playing baseball. But uh, what, what was it about law enforcement that interested you? Uh, never. I mean, I, I did what I could to make my grades to play baseball. You know, 3-0, uh, 3-2 student. Just really never really connected with the school part of things. And, uh I figured I'd use my size to a little bit of advantage to mm -hmm. and do towards something I actually agreed with, the criminal justice system. And so uh, that's just been my plan since I was in high school to finish play long, or baseball as long as I can, and then uh, when that time's up, uh, start the criminal justice system. Oh, good stuff. One thing I did learn about you in school is you actually were given an award for how well you spoke Spanish. So why don't you, and I, I put you on the spot during did, the broadcast, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask you to say hi to... Uh, friends and family back home in Spanish. Can you give us one of those? And, and then the uh, the, the Spanish-speaking people can uh, understand <laughs> you back home. Uh, hola, mi amigos y mi familia uh, para Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, me quiero mucho y ya me viste en la casa. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, it's cool because Javier Ramirez, obviously, that's his, his, his first language. And um, I didn't know this about Hunter, but it's 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 great to hear him cheering on Javi in, in Spanish. And do you guys speak Spanish together? We do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So awesome. it, it allows you to. Uh, you sound like you're pretty fluent in it. I've I I know a lot. I've lost a lot of it too, but it's helpful having another you know Spanish speaker on the team. Uh, Spanish and Puerto Rico. What Javier speaks is sometimes is different. So sure. I'll say words he doesn't know. He'll say words I don't know. So it's fun to you know get another language in there too. Yeah. Um, as you know knowing new words from what i don't know and he does so we're rolling with some japanese yeah some yeah. spanish <laughs> some canadian of course hey, hey come on buddy hey what are you doing and, and then some american. american the first yeah. uh home opener i ran into a young man from hiroshima yeah so and i was looking for you and i said jordan <laughs> and he pointed and i said yeah which office and he just put his hands up and i'm thinking the only reason he knows the name Jordan because it's coach, yeah. right? So it was it, me and Rob Zitlow from ICU That's Video. Awesome. Where he's like, "You picked the wrong guy to ask instructions because <laughs> he doesn't speak a lot of English." I'm, I'm sure he's getting better. Uh, yeah, you, I think there's. I think Cats uh, knows some things. I don't know. I don't know if we know how much he really does know. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> but that's good. You got the uh, language of baseball to uh, speak all together. Hunter, thanks so much for joining us uh, here on the show, and best of luck on Canada Day. It's going to be a fun day. Thank you. <sighs> it's fantasy time. Fantasy baseball. That is. Who needs to be in your lineup? And who shouldn't? We've got the latest info to help you dominate your league. Bumgarner's 1-0. 
Bellinger swings, high drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam, Cody Bellinger. It's go time. On to fantasy baseball now, and uh, the the one thing I found uh, this week uh, is that um, you could face, you could have a great uh, team, but the team on the other side has a phenomenal week. Like, I had a 1.05 team whip in fantasy, and I lost. And that should you should be able to win with those kind of numbers. And it, it was the deciding factor in losing. So what I'm basically saying is I'm I'm coming up with a built-in excuse for my team losing. But it, it it's fa- like okay, I had a great uh, outlook on the team. Uh, Kershaw on the shelf to start the season. Dallas Keuchel didn't have a team. There's two of the five starters I was counting on going into the season, and uh, sometimes it's out of your control. That's the cruel mistress of fantasy sports and fantasy baseball in general. Yeah, it mirrors real life fantasy, doesn't it? Hey, eh? you think you you think you got the team, and and you got to finish off the week strong. Dino, I was up seven four in my league. Checked on it Sunday. I can't remember what time. And I was like, okay, I felt pretty good about this, and ended up losing six five. There was one game left remaining, and in that game. There was enough done that it switched a bunch of the stats, and I fell on the losing end, a 6-5 tough loss. Uh, and, and this was probably my best offensive week all year. You know, I racked up all the, the five points were on, on the offensive side, and, you know, I didn't get any points on the pitching side, which has been pretty strong for me. So um, there's actually a couple guys uh, to keep an eye out for in fantasy, do you know? Uh, you're looking at Brendan McKay. He's like Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. He's listed as both a pitcher and a hitter. He's rocketing through the minor leagues right now on the bump. Uh, I think the battle play, you know, it's probably not as dangerous as, as Otani's bat, uh, but the arms, the arms legit. He, he's been dealing. So if you get a chance to grab him and you have room, roster room, you know, it might be an idea to look at him. And, um, you know, somebody else that's been uh, kind of on fire here a little bit is Lourdes Gurriel. Mm-hmm. He's got multi-position status, which can always be beneficial in a fantasy league. Uh, I grabbed him last week, and, and uh, huge, huge. I mean, my offense is flying right now, and I can't pitch it. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and then probably the last guy I want to talk about is I, I got to talk about Pete Alonzo. Like, this is a rookie who's got, let me check here, he's got 20... 27 bombs, 61 ribs, 51 runs. This is a rookie. Hitting 280. He's a 12th ranked fantasy baseball player right now. This guy is this guy's unreal. Have you seen any of his highlights? Any of the mm-hmm. home runs he's hit? Man, like uh, I'm just really happy that I got him. I got the drop on him in spring training. He's having a, a big year. And you kind of follow guys through the minor leagues a little bit. And, and he was definitely worthy of, of consideration. And I'm just super happy I got him. Uh, two names I want to bring up. Randall Grichuk, uh, had a pretty good week for the Jays. Two home runs, five RBIs, uh, uh, 840 OPS. And then you look, and so that's a guy you're like, oh, that's a bonus that you get. And then there's a guy like Mike Trout where you always expect dominance. And 11 for 20, six runs, two doubles, three homers in five games last week. He drove in more RBIs in one game than the whole Jays team did. Uh, he's obviously second in uh, AL uh, homers with 22, but that's where you're like, okay, that's a superstar. That's what you, you know, maybe you're not going to get that every week, but consistency is what certainly, you know, Randall Grichuk every once in a while is not what you're striving for in fantasy. You're looking at Mike Trout consistency. I know I can uh, rely on this guy week in and week out. 
you've brought up Bryce Harper's name a lot on this show as a guy that should be that dependable, but hasn't been. Exactly. You know, he's uh, he had a good week last week, and and he just he just flirts with coming in and out. It's you know watching the highlights, you know, he's got a big swing. You know, he there's there's no denying he's trying to run the ball out of the yard all the time, and um, you know, there's no question who you would take, uh, Trout or Harper. It's it's not even close, mm. and and frankly, there's. I don't think Bryce is in the top 10 or 20 or 30 of guys that you're no doubt taking. And, and I would venture a guess that with the way uh, Pete Alonzo swings the bat, uh, you would take him. Freddie Freeman of the Braves, you'd take him. Actually, JD's been on fire. Uh, that's helped me. I love to see it. I love, I love the, I love the swagger. I love the bow way. Talking about Josh Donaldson? JD, yeah. Okay. Josh Donaldson's, uh, Finally, kind of come through. I've, you know, I've I've held on to JD just because I love the way he played the game, um, and I and I wore it last year, and I was wearing it this year. And I just I just couldn't come to letting him go in case he caught fire, caught fire. So we'll see. I'm hopeful. Play ball. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crackers. Want two tickets to an upcoming prospects game? Get your thinking ball caps on and answer this baseball trivia question. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. In uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game trivia today, uh, we are talking about uh, Babe Ruth. And uh, this is actually for some uh, upcoming prospects games. A weekly trivia question where we uh, throw out the question, you email us and you get tickets to an upcoming prospects game. Prospects Baseball Show at gmail.com is how you enter this. The question is, what team did Babe Ruth hit his first home run against? I stumped you on this earlier when I told you about it, so I'm looking, uh, hoping that we're going to stump some others. Uh, so if you want to go to an upcoming Prospects game, email us your trivia answer at prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. Last week we asked uh, who is second to Matt Stairs for the most pinch hit home runs in Major League Baseball history. It was Cliff Johnson who had 20. If you have a chance, Google Cliff Johnson baseball card. It is absolutely glorious. <laughs> those, so those, uh, you know, like old baseball cards are the absolute best. Uh, Cliff Johnson actually played four years with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. The pitch. There's a long one to right field. Forget about it. This one is headed for New Jersey. High into the upper deck. Barry Barnes with a spectacular three-run homer. Who is the best left fielder of all time? How about your favorite shortstop ever? What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy. It's time to build your all-time team. This is how uh, all-time team works. Uh, Jordan and I are giving out our all-time team position by position, but we want to hear your all-time team, either your favorite players at each position or who you think is the best player at each position. Include a uh, relief pitcher and a DH, so 11 in total. We'll have two different winners, so one for the best team, one for the favorite team, and the winner is uh, the winners rather will receive winter banquet tickets. So again, uh, submit your team to uh, us through email, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. 
prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. We're doing second base now, which, um, you know, a lot of people look at second base as saying uh, it's where you put infielders that uh, don't have a strong arm. Um, there's not a lot of power, uh, things like that. We're going to discuss the power surge for middle infielders a little bit later on then and now. But uh, when we do our all-time team, um, the best second baseman of all time, who do you think is that? Who, who do you think gets that honor? I'm going to go kind of into my era of, of when I fell in love with the game and, and being in Canada. And, and uh, you know, the, obviously the Blue Jays doing what they did in the early 90s was was special for a young baseball fan like myself that uh, loved the game and looked up to that. And Roberto Alomar put defense on the map, like the the the, the, the plays he was able to make, the range he had into the three hole, um, the double plays he was able to turn. And then to, to couple all that defense, you think, you know, you middle, you middle infielders traditionally, you, you're obviously looking for strong defense because that's where most of the balls get his through the middle of the field. And you want somebody that's reliable. And then on top of that, you've got a, a, a lead off a two or three hole hitter, switch hitter, power both ways. Um, and, and I absolutely love the fact that Robbie could lay it down. He could put a bunt down for a single. He could rip a bag. He could split a gap. He could pull a ball of the yard. He um, sold a lot of McCain punch. <laughs> hey, Roberto, which is the best pitch you've ever faced? The one with McCain punch. You know, and that was uh, that was the big part of, of that is all these endorsements, too. And he just became revered in this country. And now, you know, to know what he's done here in Canada, uh, you know, catch the taste with McCain punch. And that's Robbie. Catch the taste. Who do you think was more popular Blue Jay from that uh, those World Series, Joe Carter or Roberto Alomar? You know, I think that uh, you know the, the the incident that Robbie had probably hurt his popularity True, yeah. a little bit, uh, unfortunately, and that's that's water under the bridge. Uh, the, the, those guys have, have have become friends and have helped each other moving forward. For me, I, Robbie's more. I, I love the way Robbie played the game, and and don't get me wrong, I love Joe Carter and love what he did for for the Blue Jays in the country. Um, but for me personally, it was it was always Robbie because he could he could switch hit, which I did as a young person. But I'm a left-handed hitter. Um, I love the way that he could he could play the game of baseball. You know, if if the game required you to put a bunt down for a single, he did it. If you needed a sack fly, Robbie did it. You know, if you needed a big clutch at bat against Dennis Eckersley, he did it, and it happened to be a home run. Yeah. You know, if you need a big defensive play or something that you know, jaw dropping to get an out for your pitching staff. Robbie did it. So for me, all time, I got Roberto Alomar. All right, I'm going with Ryan Sandberg as uh, the guy I think is uh, the best of all time. Um, I just look at, okay, so he won seven Silver Slugger Awards, the most of uh, any second baseman. He won nine gold gloves, so uh, which is the second in uh, baseball history. So he could do it uh, in both uh, at the plate and in the field. You look at his 1984 season when he won the uh, NL MVP, hit 314, 19 home runs, 19 triples led wow. the league, uh, and 114 runs scored. He also had uh, 84 RBIs. Uh, he has the uh, best fielding percentage at second base at 989, 
and his 289 career home runs uh, are number one at the position. When he retired, Jeff Kent uh, went past him at some point. So uh, I also love the way uh, Harry Carey would say <laughs> Ryan Schamberg. And me and Schamberg were having some Budweiser's after the game. <laughs> I love the uh, Harry Careyisms too. So like the Cubs are this kind of like, uh, the, you know, they were the lovable losers for a long time. But I loved Ryan Sandberg. I loved his range. And uh, so I'm going with, I think he's the best. Uh, my favorite though, is your guy that you said was the best, right. is Roberto Alomar. Yeah. I, I, you know, the McCain punch commercials. I was like, this guy is, is just funny, and he seems to have a good time, and uh, th- you know that that endeared me to him more than just watching him be suck up balls uh, d- heading up the middle or turn double plays, and obviously, you know, hit terrifically for average. Um, so I loved Roberto Alomar. Plus, he was a Blue Jay and uh, a certain home run you mentioned off Eckersley and. You know, even the even the spitting incident, uh, I understand. Uh, it was not right, and he atoned for it, and you move on. Yeah. You know, so I loved Roberto Alomar. The Canadian in me loved the Blue Jays at the time, the World Series. Uh, he was, like you said, so clutch, whether it was, uh, you know, a, a, a line drive single or a bunt. So uh, Roberto Alomar is my favorite. Who's your favorite? So it's a great point that you brought up with the McCain punch and Robbie. So... Uh, back in the 90s, there was the Pro Stars show with Wayne and Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson. At that point, there wasn't a lot of athletes doing the commercials, doing that kind of stuff as, it, as it's pre- prevalent now. It was kind of the first foray into athletes you know, getting into different markets. And, and McCain's got Robbie and, and you know, the rest is history. That, that commercial lives on for generations. Um, my favorite second baseman is... Is a grinder. Uh, he's a guy that played a couple different spots. He he was able to get three thousand hits, and and I think he's got the big league record for most hit by pitches, which I absolutely love. This is Craig Biggio. Mm. Biggio was a, a, a as you would call a gamer. He's a guy that uh, twenty year career hit two eighty, two hundred ninety bombs, you know, eighteen hundred runs, a bunch of doubles, a bunch of stolen bases. 3,060 hits, seven-time All-Star, um, five Silver Sluggers, really good defender, never won a championship, so he's kind of similar to your boy Sandberg, uh, but had that opportunity. They had that one run in Houston with him and Bagwell that, you know, they had the shot. So uh, my favorite, uh, Craig Biggio. Nice. He's uh He's pretty. He was uh, pretty in his generation, in his era. He was definitely, uh, you know, one of the best for sure. Let's wrap things up with then versus now. We're talking about middle infielders and uh, uh, the power surge for middle infielders. As I said before, second base was always thought of that guy that you know maybe you know hits okay, but not going to put a lot of home runs uh, over the wall. Uh, what, what what have you seen in the last? Uh, when, you know when was the shift where we're starting to see more power hitting middle infielders? Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know when like when I grew up, it was you know four four to twelve, kind of for a second baseman. You know if you if you got four to twelve from your shortstop and uh, you're you're all right with that because they're going to play defense. You know your boy Ozzie Smith didn't didn't run too many balls out there, but you know Omar Vizquel, same kind of deal. Man, has the game changed? Um, y- your production from the the second base spot, uh, which is what we talked about today, and our favorite players, and and shortstop, the middle infield spot is um, routine fifteen. Now, you know if if you're hitting twenty five, you you know you're all star caliber. Um, 15's pretty regular, and and some guys are going thirty, forty, like Dozier and 
uh, for the couple of years, the past couple of years, he's, he's been flirting with 40 bombs out of the second baseball with Minnesota. And I think he's with Washington now. Um, the, the power surge has been seen all over the, the field. Um, however, it's probably become more of a deal in the middle infield because, you know, back in the, the eighties and the nineties, there weren't as many home runs in those two positions. You know, you got your corners, everybody else is hitting home runs. You were fine with just the defenders. Don't worry about hitting home runs. Uh, and that's changed. Guys, these guys can play defense. They've got 90-plus rocket arms. And you you throw a mistake, they got a chance to hit it 400 feet. And, and we're seeing that in fantasy baseball. Major League Baseball is on track to break their home run record from last year. Um, and, and that's due large in part to the ability of the middle infielders to hit 20, 20, 30 home runs. Yeah, who are the guys that you look at that are breaking that mold of, uh, you know, you know, I said Ryan Sandberg, his MVP season, he had 19. Now the guys are routinely hitting 19. Who are some of the guys that you look at that are breaking the mold? Yeah, that's crazy. If you hit 19 now, like, yeah, send them down to AAA. You know, like it's tough to stay in the show if you only hit 19. Um, breaking the mold, guys, uh, it's weird to say this, Jose Altuve, but because of the level of hitter he is with his size, you know, back in the day, you know, that size, you're Ozzy Smith. You know, if you hit one, hey, good for you. You know, and he's an MVP candidate with the stick. You're looking at Carlos Correa that's got the Cal Ripken body and athleticism and has the ability to put the ball in the yard. You know, you're Manny Machado's, and you're looking at Tatis Jr., who's this electric athlete in San Diego that, you know, probably back in the day would have been a center fielder or a right fielder, like a Ken Griffey Jr. And now, now that player is able to stay in the middle of the infield and do these crazy special things there. You know, one of the guys I love the most in the middle infield, Dino, is D.D. Gregorius. The lefty power. I, I, I like, I used to hate the Yankees when I was young. I can't hate them anymore because I think that he is the, he was and is the right guy to not replace Jeter, but he's got that demeanor. He's got that ability. He's got the, the rocket arm, the defense, clutch ability, like, I just love the fact that DD has been able to do this for the Yankees, and he's that guy. Um, you know, the Blue Jays got a good one coming up with Bo Bichette. I love Kevin Biggio and his level of at bat. So, um, real quick drop on the Blue Jays. I think they've got a chance here long term because their middle is so uh, potentially good. Oh, that's good. And obviously the left side uh, with uh, that's on Vlad now. Jr. Yeah. All right, uh, that'll wrap things up for the Prospects Baseball Show. Uh, great conversation with uh, your uh, one of your starting pitchers, Hunter Boyd, today. Good luck in uh, Weyburn, and uh, we'll talk to you next week uh, when the fireworks are about to go off on Canada Day. Uh, thanks for joining me, Jordan. Yeah, thanks, Dino. It was great. All right, that's it for the Prospects Baseball Show. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Prospects Pod, and uh, check out uh, the... Uh, website as well, prospectsbaseballshow.ca. And of course, for all your tickets and information on the Edmonton Prospects, prospectsbaseballclub.ca. Thanks very much for listening. Ban the shift. It's gone! It's a grand slam! And that's the ball game.